Sports show still on episode 103. This is part two. I am your host, Big Baby, aka the soul of RB. And to my right, we have the queen 25k Tay, aka Patra Cleo. Okay, big now queen you, energy. you were too, you were too far with Cleo. I'm oh, sorry, big, 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 big queen energy. Thank you, thank you. I like that big queen energy. I like that. That that flows. Yeah, put that on the shirt. <laughs> yeah, for real. And I want to start this this show off by saying like poo poo to Matt and um Pete for not being able to wait for me to do an episode at all. I'm pretty sure part one was will not be as exhilarating as part two. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but how we start out like this. How's your week, Queen? It was all right. It was all right. Uh, really busy. Had a lot of stuff to do as usual. Um, but I'm good. I'm blessed. I'm here. That's all that matters. Face clear. Uh, I see. I see. Okay. Because I don't let these. I must say the word. I don't let these boys stress me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say that other word. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Up until what yesterday, the week was cool. <laughs> uh, little, little hiccup at work, not not my fault, but of course, being in leadership, you gotta eat some of the things that's not your fault sometimes. When when you know, when people don't do what they're supposed to do after you tell them to do something. Of course. But now, nah, other than that, the week was cool. Um, the weather's been jumpy, but other than that. Yo, the weather sucked for the past two days. Today? Man. We were pulling bridges back off the planes, and the wind was blowing so hard that the doors were opening. That's it, weird. It, yeah, it was water. It was, it was today. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad it's kind of it's calmed down, but, yeah, for most of the day, it was terrible. Man. So... I told the guys yesterday that we're done talking about the Nets until the end of until something pops up. But I'm pretty sure you're not on that train either. No, because we we I will I will never forget there was like a span of like four or five episodes where we talked about the Nets straight, and we were debating over. Oh, who are they going to face in the finals? Oh, they're going to have an easy way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm like, hmm, hard pause. You know what I'm saying? Last season, oh, when they come back, it's going to be problems. You're going to have a parade on Flatbush and all these, like, hoop pipe dreams. And it's just like, we keep the same energy. You know, I am a big fan of keeping the same energy. So, 
at the end of the day, I am over it. I like the fact that I was right. And I've been right about them for two seasons straight. Yeah. I think last year was their biggest chance to do it. Yes. If they were going to do it last, if they were going to do it any year, it would have been last year. Yes. Beating the eventual champions, I don't see Phoenix beating. I didn't see Phoenix beating Brooklyn either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they might have had a better. They might. All right. The thing is with the Phoenix Suns, they are they are a, another feast and famine team. Like mm-hmm. when all cylinders are going, they're on a million. When everything is working right, they are an offensive heavy team. Devin is a great player. Chris Paul is one of the greatest. So you know that magic can happen with them. And Devin, he's like, Devin Booker is like so young still in his career to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, he is. And if he is, he still has, he has not hit his ceiling yet. I feel like Kyrie's best days were playing alongside LeBron. And KD, unfortunately, he has had a, a myriad of injuries that have limited his ability over the past few years. While it's very unfortunate because you never want to see somebody with great abilities succumb to injuries and have it impact their game in the way that it has impacted his. But the glimmers that we do see when he is on the court, you know, he is a phenomenal offensive player. And I will never take that away from him. But I think that they need a facelift. I think that they're, they're not enough supporting pieces they need Kyrie and KD are not enough so do you think Ben with them would be enough though who's gonna play defense Ben Simmons is is always always been in the defensive player of the year conversation okay so him by himself so Blake, Griffin played, so <laughs> I said Blake Griffin been playing defense by himself for the past two years. Yeah, but you know the thing is, how much could how much could you really put on Blake's knees? Right. You know what I'm saying? It's not fair to to be honest with you. Everybody has to. If you don't have a defense first, defensive first mindset, especially mm-hmm. in this era of the NBA, they're shifting away from all the flashy three pointers. As you can see, they're trying to go back to something a little bit more resembling, you know, basketball in a traditional sense. You're seeing more teams play defense. You're seeing people not really trying to do the whole Golden State outrun them and outgun them until there's nothing else left. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if that if that formula for the super team still works anymore. I don't think it does. I, I think you need a solid one and two, and your players around you have to be like you have to have solid others as well. That yeah. one and two has to be solidified. Sure. One and two have to, one and two. One has to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Two has to be bordering spectacular. Three has to be solid. And two more people have to play defense. <coughs> at, <coughs> at least. Yeah, your three and D players. You you need in this league, you need three and D players. We talked about it yesterday about Trevor Reza, like a Trevor Reza type player once upon a time. Like a, uh, uh, what's the name, Matthew, uh, Matthews, uh, Covington, a KCP. You need players like that around you. And someone who's going through that without having that is Luca. Luca mm-hmm. getting beat up by the, by the Suns, even though they won last night. Um, 
basically uh, a really bad shooting game and and game for the Suns. Really bad game, a lazy game from the Suns, honestly, to be completely honest. For sure. For sure. It, it was an off night for them. But I feel like Luca. I think Luca was the only sports opinion that I was really wrong about when we started the show. I really thought he was a flat, maybe because I wasn't looking past um, homie from the Knicks who went to the Dallas Mavericks. Porzingis. Yeah, I wasn't looking past that tandem to see that Porzingis was the problem. And I feel like me, I, I didn't say I confused the two, but I, I was synonymous with the two. And I feel like Luca is not in the right, he's in the right team without the right pieces. Mm. And I feel like if they don't get him some help, he needs to leave. Because he's too good of a player and too vital to any franchise to have to carry it on his shoulders. This is what I hated when they did it to LeBron. LeBron gave his all in and in, in, in out. You know what I'm saying? And he really played with Almost, I don't want to say nobody's because that that's diminishing their value. But they, he played with people who wouldn't be on nobody's first all te- all team, all, all nothing team, all nothing. Maybe third because of the stats they got while playing with LeBron. You get what I'm saying? And the thing is, we're seeing this now in the in the Luca. But the, the problem is, Luca's not winning. And that's what it was for LeBron the first couple of years. The comparisons are there. Between him and LeBron, yeah, of yeah the, the, the comparisons are there. Um, I honestly think um, down the line, Luca is probably going to tr- go back to to the wing and be the um, point guard from the wing, basically like how Bron did. Um, but you're right, right team, the right coach too. Jason Kidd is, is, has been coaching that he's Mavericks team. Luca. Yeah, he's really he's good for Luca. Luca. You get what I'm saying? Luca, Luca's only going to continue to benefit under Jason Kidd. You get what I'm yeah. saying? But the problem is, who else? Who else does he really have? Jalen Brunson is iffy. Spencer Dinwiddie is iffy. Um, Tim Hardaway is hurt. So, Finney Smith, nothing. Powell, you only get but so much from him. Maxi Kleber, you only get so much from a catch-and-shoot player. So they have to make some serious changes. Yeah, some some serious changes. People are talking about um, like Rudy Gobert going to Dallas, which that doesn't really help Dallas at all. But Mm-mm. you Mm-mm. know, speaking of, speaking of big men, Joel Embiid came back last night and. He powered the the Heat. I mean, to the Philly to a twenty point victory over the Heat. Yeah, um, I was surprised. I was too, but the Heat have this thing, and just like they did in the finals, where they have such a big scoring drought, where they just stop scoring the ball, where it becomes it's just like completely out of the game. Yeah, completely out of the game. So. So I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, oh, Jimmy Butler's not doing enough. Jimmy Butler had 33 points. Um, Joel Embiid neutralized um, Bam Adebayo, who was having his way with the little kids in in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
Another game that happened was Milwaukee and Boston today, and Milwaukee squeezed out a two-point win against Boston. That is one of the better series that, that is on TV as well. Um, I don't understand. This is my thing, right? Mm-hmm. So many people. I still. I think Giannis has arrived. Mm-hmm. I think Giannis is better than we've. He's played up to his expectations. But I don't know how the Boston Celtics look almost invincible to the Brooklyn Nets with KD and Kyrie. And they're struggling with Giannis. I can I can tell you why. Giannis has people he can pass the ball to. Brooklyn didn't have enough trust, even with probably one of the best shooters in in league history in Seth Curry. Pat um Patty Mills, you had, you know, older veterans on the bench. You had Bruce Brown, who was probably scoring the most points per game out of everybody on the team. But there's so much ISO ball. Yeah. Mike Budenholzer doesn't play um ISO ball. So, and and Giannis was taught from the beginning by Jason Kidd how to facilitate the ball to the players around you. And it's yeah, rough. I get, he's I get playing, that. He's but playing I, out of number two. That that is true. But to be honest with you, let me say something. Mm-hmm. Given the fact that they are the defending champions, you would think that you know this would be a cakewalk for them. But this Boston Celtics team is a really solid team, who I could have easily seen going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think seeding is what's going to hurt them. What we're looking at now is what should have been the Eastern Conference Finals. Because I am not impressed by anything that Miami and Philadelphia are doing. You know, Miami, yeah, Miami needs to handle Philadelphia and, and, and get to the Conference Finals and deal with whoever's there. Yeah, but, you know, to be honest with you, if if the Bucks survive the, the Celtics, which is looking like they might, you know, they have a, a strong, very strong, if not, you know, highly favorable chance. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just showing us that they're going to have an easier cakewalk to the to the NBA Finals. Because the, the Heat can't do nothing with the um with the Bucks. Mm. I don't know. I think the Heat is a better defensive team than Boston, though. I think I think Boston just has the better wing defenders. I don't know. It's like I'm not seeing the Miami Heat that we thought was going to beat the Lakers. Well, you thought was going to beat the Lakers during the pandemic. I just feel as if, like, there's something missing there, and I cannot put my finger on what it is. They do not look like a complete team Mm. at all. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, with Joel Embiid coming back, that kind of changes the complexion of the series. It does. And it gives Philadelphia a fighting chance. They had no chance with just Harden, who I think is completely overrated. And every and he is proving me right at every time. And I've said that Harden's been overrated since before the Brooklyn Nets days. I've been saying that I've been shouting that from the rooftop since we started the show. Yeah, I don't I don't see the greatness that people see and maybe because I'm way I'm way more of a skeptical eye than others. But, like, even in Philadelphia, like, he made a mockery of himself in the net, at the net. And it, and I'm not seeing anything in Philadelphia that's making me say, oh, you know, 
he was right for you know for how he moved. It makes me look at him like, oh, you're the problem, and that you should apologize to KD and Kyrie. Absolutely. Because your boy stuck their neck out for you, and you made them look fucking stupid. James Harden is so unimpressive right now that their number three player is the one leading the team. Tyrese Maxey is, is scoring almost 30 every game. Meanwhile, the guy who was touted as one of the best scorers of all time has been playing. He hasn't scored over 25 points a game in the playoffs. Yeah. That's ridiculous to me. That's ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. That is ridiculous. There's absolutely no reason. Jeez. Absolutely no reason. So staying on the NBA, Draymond Green. Oh, how how did you like the Warriors and and, and Grizzly series? I'm enjoying that series. Going back to the time that you like. Like real, real Knicks Miami is right. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I feel like why I'm so underwhelmed by basketball now is because I do not see people playing with passion. I mm-hmm. see people playing because they're gifted. I see people playing because they're talented. I don't see people playing with that drive that Kobe had, that Michael had, that LeBron still has, even though LeBron lacked the killer instinct for a long time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, the passion and the love of the actual game to me has waned in favor of, you know, I have a really gifted guy who can play the hell out of basketball. I'm going to play him a gazillion dollars and, you know, lead a team. I don't see that passion anywhere in the league anymore. So maybe that's why I'm so underwhelmed, but I do enjoy the Golden State Warriors. Not dreaming. Right. Not Draymond. <laughs> well, you know how I feel about Draymond. Like, I oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I feel like Draymond is just like he he does too much, like too much and not enough. Yeah. Put him on any other team, and it won't work. No, but he's that piece for that team. That piece for that team. We we go back to when we were to, we always talk about football and. And about systems, certain systems working. So about mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs as well, certain systems working. And we go to the Warriors. Certain players work in certain systems. Like random player, like a Boris Diaw when he was on the Spurs. Boris Diaw was okay other places, but he stuck out more on the Spurs because of where Greg Popovich had him. Mm-hmm. Mano Ginobili, probably one of the, the, the best players. On, was he on the seventy-five list? If I'm not mistaken. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think so. But um, one of the greatest um, overseas players ever. I don't think he has that same impact on another team. I don't. I don't, I don't think you put Mano Ginobili on what like 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 the Bucks at that time, and he has that same impact. Not at all. It's not the same. Tony Parker as well. Tim Duncan was was built for it. I can see Tony Parker on that Celtics team back in 07-08. The the one that that, that people... 
the one that people still celebrate, uh, like they over celebrate, like they won like twelve mm-hmm. championships that team. Mm-hmm. I could have seen them having the same. Um, Tony Parker, because I was thinking about it. Tony Parker, right? I feel like he would have thrived in that system. I do. He's one of the only ones. Like even Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. I I couldn't. I I've, Giannis reminds me of Tim Duncan. In a lot of ways, but like you said, like I couldn't see Manu Ginobili playing anywhere else and being successful like he was, unless he was on the Lakers or a that, team that had that pedigree of winning already. That Lakers team, like a Lakers team with, with Shaq, or the Lakers team with Kobe and Powell. The Lakers team with Kobe and Powell. Absolutely. Yeah, not the Shaq, not the Shaq Lakers, Shaq Kobe Lakers. Were were what they were. Yeah. And I'm not gonna sit here. I'm gonna keep the same injury. I was not a fan. I wanted Iverson to win every time. And then when they were dethroned by the um Detroit Pistons, I was in heaven. I I love that that um that Detroit series versus the Lakers, and I I, I like the Lakers. I love Kobe. But that Detroit series pretty much proved to the Lake, proved to everybody, Lakers were super beatable. All you had to do was play defense. All you had to do was try to beat them. Don't be scared of Shaq and Kobe. Yeah, and then to be honest with you, let's not forget that the referees were on their side for a couple years too. You know, shout out to the Sacramento Kings. Man, shout out to the Sacramento Kings. Even though I can't stand to hear Chris Webber speak, Chris Webber was a really good player. Yeah, I love Chris can't stand to hear him speak. <laughs> I love Chris Webber. I always, I, you know, I thought he was somebody who never got his due in the league either. He's like the he's like the guys like the um that you never really talk about anymore. He's like the Gary Paytons. Like, you know, they were really effective for their time, and then, you know, as time went on, people forgot how impactful they were. Even more so, you know, you forget about the Grant Hills and the Jawan Howards, and because they didn't win. Shawan Howard was, was a guy in Grant Hill who suffered like uh suffered the most with that ankle injury. Who knows what he would have become without he a being hurt. He would have been a monster. He definitely would have been a monster. Definitely would have been a monster. But we um we go from that series, but so there's been a whole bunch of, of BS going on about um Draymond Green, of course, speaking. Draymond has his own podcast. People listen to him. I was telling my boy this the other day. I didn't wake up one day and be like, you know what? I think Draymond Green should have a podcast. And like at, at no point in time I ever was like, you know what? I want to hear Draymond speak for 15 minutes out of my day. No. But because Draymond Green knows what he's talking about, Okay, maybe I'll, I'll 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 indulge into it. I'll listen to it, but Mad Dog, I, Mad Dog, whatever his name is, basically, um, he's tired of Draymond Green, like a lot of people are. Because Draymond Green talks a lot, he sometimes he does too much. But the problem with that is you don't tell players to shut up and play. And that's what Matt. That's exactly what Mad Dog did, because it gives real shut up and dribble vibes. Right. And you know the thing is, sometimes let me tell you something. I feel like 
you could say shut up and play about stuff on the court, but I feel like people are dragging it because when LeBron was told shut up and play, he was told that over political issues. He was told that over issues uh, dealing with, you know, black people being, you know, hunted down and assassinated by police. So Draymond complaining about his game, I can kind of see somebody saying shut up and play. It's not like Draymond was on his podcast talking about equality and somebody was telling him to shut up and dribble. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. even though everybody has a nasty taste in their mouth after that whole Fox News debacle with LeBron James and, you know, Lauren Ingram telling him to shut up and dribble and, and, and rightfully so, because what he was talking about were issues that was really, you know, integral and still integral to this day. But do I feel like the flagrant two that was called on, on Draymond that caused that, that caused this whole discussion? Do I feel like that was correct? No. Do I feel that because of his history of flagrance that that's why he got that one? Yes. Absolutely. Do I, yeah. Do I feel like he talks too much? Yes. Yes, I do. I feel like maybe he needs to use his podcast as a outlet to get that frustration off his chest because right now playing it getting like that and potentially jeopardizing your team because you are crucial to your team and because you can't keep yourself in check you get what i'm saying you could right now the memphis series we know who's going to win that series but what happens when if you and when and if you make it to the western conference finals and you, the game is on the line and you out there draymonding you know what I'm saying? And you can coach your team again. Trade my name. <laughs> then what, what are people going to say then? Mm. What are people going to say then? It's not like he out there advocating for any big issues. You know what I'm saying? He's complaining about the calls. And I get that because sometimes I do feel like they are egregious. And I do feel like the NBA has gotten soft with the calls too. Super you know soft. Super soft. But, you know, Mad Dog Shut Up and Dribble had a different – even though I think J.J. Reddick pulled them all the way together. It was like, you know, this is how Fox News talks about our athletes and we don't like that and the center third, and I get that. And I'm, and I'm 100% in alignment with that. So let me let me preface this by saying that, right? But I felt like Mad Dog's shut up and dribble and shut up and play was different because he Draymond does complain a lot. He complains too much for me. It's like, you know what? Shut up. Just, just shut up. Like, just play. Because you're not talking about anything important other than your ego, how your ego is bruised. Because at the end of the day, when you act like an ass on the court, it's like you're not only jeopardizing, you're jeopardizing your team. Thank goodness that they, they had – imagine like imagine that something like that happened during that Boston-Miami um, – not Boston-Miami, Boston-Bucks um, series. And it cost the Bucks or the, the, the Celtics the game. Your team is going to be furious with you. They're going to be telling you to shut up and play. Basically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I think, like you said, the way it came off is like, like at first, first you got to check them like JJ did. Like, hey, you can't just come off like that. Here's how it comes off. But then when you, you break everything down, yes, sometimes you talk to the refs. A little bit too much. A little bit too much. The problem with that is it's a reputation thing. 
if you're known to do certain stuff, this goes back to Rasheed Wallace, this goes to Boogie Cousins, this goes to Dennis Rodman, players like that. When you're known for doing stuff, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. It's not. Oh, for sure. Like it's know your audience. Yeah, you have you have to know your audience. Again, everybody's in agreement. That was a flagrant one, if anything, and barely a flagrant one. It's only a flagrant one due to what the rules say, right? Now, when you move forward into the next game and Desmond Bain takes out Gary Payton Jr., now it's like, okay, what's going on? Because um, Draymond didn't intentionally hurt your player. Devin Bain gave Draymond stitches and then also basically cost um, Gary Payton Jr. two months, almost, almost two months. And that could have cost his career. So the series is getting chippy, but I think the, the, the league needs to officiate a little bit better in these series. And, and I think they're series. focusing on the wrong things. I think that's what the issue is, and that's why we are – having these discussions, I feel like they are not, they are paying attention to, the, to not the chippiness, but more of the, the um, if things are being followed to the T with the rules. I, I feel like right now, um, the officiating, I don't, you know, I hate being one of those people, like rules are rules, like, and when a series is getting chippy like that and getting crazy like that, like, this is when we need the referees to step in. Do you think we need the league to step in now too? Because no. okay. not right now, because there's only a there's only a couple teams left. You need to, you need to make a league wide um thing and it doesn't start during the playoffs because so many teams will have their so many teams would be like, well, if this was the rule, then my team could have made the playoffs. Right. I what about those blown, yeah, those blown calls or those blown this and that. So it's like. The fouls that weren't fouls and all that stuff. And people getting all these, these points at the free throw line. Like, that's crazy to me. People are only averaging 30 points because they, they're getting 15 of them from the free throw line. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. Not- that's not that's not a true thirty point. To me, that's not a true thirty point game. No, it's not. No. Second to last topic. Are NBA players um doing too much as trying to become GMs and why why does this become a problem? I definitely think that players have too much power in the front in the front office in certain teams. You know what I'm saying? Like even even the LeBrons, the KDs, the Kyries, they, this has started since the big three eras. I want to play and win a championship with my friends. So that's what you got the Olympics for. You know what I'm saying? It helped kill the competitive nature of the game. And I think that players have too much say over you know, who they want to recruit onto their team. And I think that at this point, like, it's gotten way out of control. We saw that with the Brooklyn Nets situation. The Brooklyn Nets situation is the latest iteration of this is getting too much. You get what I'm saying? Like, you are not putting putting compatible teams together because you are trying to make your superstars happy because you think that they want to play. They think they want to play with their friends. 
It's like all the pieces, like even if they had KD and Kyrie at the Nets, right? You know what I'm saying? Like you could have built a solid core around young rising players. You know what I'm saying? And really made a deep run. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like this super team thing really killed the competitiveness of, of the game because they have too much say. Like at the end of the day, like the Michael Jordans, they did. But, you know, the Michael Jordans had to say, you know, the Kobe had to say. But they had a say. They didn't have control. And I feel like like these they're making too many moves being thirsty and it don't work. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the coffin. I think too many players that are trying to play with each other, um, it kind of like, you know, it empties out the league because you're depleting teams. You have to deplete a team most of the time to get these players to play with each other. So, like, we're going to go back to the Brooklyn Nets. Karis LeVert and, and Jared Allen are thriving in uh, – what's the name? In Cleveland. They're thriving in Cleveland, but they were just on the Nets. And they were on the Nets before um, James Harden got there. They were part of the James Harden deal. The the best part of that James Harden deal really was Oladipo getting to the um getting to the Heat because he needed that. He needed that. that. He needed that. But you know the LeBrons, the Wades, the Boshes, the damn, you know, the the freaking these people, that people, that people. Like it's too much, and that's why you have the same people going into the same playoffs every year. It was a little refreshing when the Raptors won a couple of years ago. It was refreshing when the Bucks, even though I'm, I'm not a bit, I wanted the Suns to win, but it would have been good to see either team win because it would have been, you know, something different to spice it up a little bit. Because, like you said, it's like you're just depleting teams' resources. And the thing is, it's like, all right, you take all your superstars out of, like, all right, the Brooklyn Nets trade. Impacted three or four different teams. You get what I'm saying? Some for the better, because Boston is better. I would say they're they're a way better team than they were a couple years ago. You know, I feel like even with the 76ers, they're they're no better. They are no better, no better whatsoever. Right now, they are they are playing to survive, not playing to win. Right. They're yeah. playing to validate that trade. To validate that trade. They have to validate it. Like, even with the Heat. When the Heat got to, did that whole, everybody wanted the Mavericks to beat their ass. Everybody wanted, I wanted the Mavericks to, dem, I wanted the Mavericks to demolish LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. And was so overjoyed. I think I, I think I haven't slept so good since. What <laughs> was right. I was truly mad at LeBron that series. LeBron's my favorite player, and just like, damn, bro, come on. <laughs> yeah, but then on the other hand, then you on the other hand, then when you look at it, then you have these other these. The reason why I was like that because of how franchises did their players. Look at how the Knicks treated Charles Oakley. After all, he did for for that franchise. Look at how the Bulls treated Scottie Pippen. Even with his last couple of, uh, there's no reason why he's he's one of the greatest players to ever touch on the court. Mm-hmm. That he was 
basically broke because of his back issues. And then you see somebody like Ben Simmons, he's looking at that like, you know what? I'm getting my money. Check, please. As he should. As he should. As he should. But it's just, it, you know, it, it's not a it's not a Kyrie problem. It's not a KD problem. I'm not blaming him for that. It's these teams. If I'm a scout for a team, I'm looking at the best possible chance to win. And I get trying to get superstar talent because it boosts sales. It boosts ticket prices. It gets more butts in seats. And I get all of that. I get it. But it means nothing to the competitive nature of the game. You know what superstars getting loading up on superstars do? All it does is make the other teams want to play even harder. So now the other teams that don't have the superstars, oh, we just look better if we beat y'all now. We look even, even better to beat y'all now. Now y'all look crazy for if we go back to the Lakers. The Sacramento Kings beat the Lakers every time they played them this year. Mm-hmm. The Sacramento Kings, this is pre- before they made moves in in you know in in um in the middle of the season and even after they beat the Lakers every time the Lakers have a prop one of the the top two one of the, the top two players of all time they have Anthony Davis and they have Russell Westbrook didn't they have Carmelo at one point too they, they and they had Carmelo Anthony so they had two that what four 75 mm-hmm. players. Uh, a fifth on the cusp with Dwight Howard. And still. Still, nothing. I do not like Dwight Howard. But anyway, um, <laughs> how I feel about him. He's another one that the Lakers championship validated his whole life. His whole life in the court. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like I get it in the grand scheme of things, but you also have to look at when you're getting these players. Like <laughs> this this season, I hated how people came for Russell Westbrook. Yes, he did not play up to what we expected Russell Westbrook to play. You know what I'm saying? But that's but you can't demil- diminish someone's legacy over a bad season. Like that was crazy to me. That was crazy for me. You know what I'm saying? I heard that. Um, how, how many seasons has he been in? He's been drafted. What? Fifteen? This is his fifteen? No, twelve, thirteen, maybe something like that. He's in a 2008 draft. Yeah, so 2008. Yeah, so 2008. about fourteen years then. Yeah, about uh fourteen, fourteen yeah. seasons, right? Mm-hmm. People are expecting him to be Westbrook of MVP days. You do face a, a, a career decline. Like it does happen. Like I don't I, I don't like this these people that they play these games where they're just like, it's good for KD. Cause we understand, but it's not good for Westbrook because we don't like LeBron. Like as you look back at that season. Yes, Russell could have played a whole lot better. But you know what would have helped Russell Westbrook play a lot better? If he had street clothes on the court and not in street clothes. Mm-hmm. He had Mr. Davis on the court, not street clothes. Um, 
if they didn't have a whole bunch of um, aging um, midlife players on the roster, that would have helped LeBron James too. LeBron James is about to win the damn scoring title. What? LeBron James in, in his 100th year is about to win a, a, a scoring title. Yeah, he's like the Rip Van Winkle <laughs> of the of the NBA. Yeah, you just said, yeah, people get declined. How do, how do you get better in the year 18? <laughs> that, that I don't understand. But um, moving on to our final topic, there's always been a debate, and we, we've debated this previously, but we haven't gone into it. And uh, this is just a toss-up for the next show. But I want your opinion on it, Jay. Black athletes versus black media. Black media, you, black media knowing, you know, Stephen A. Smith, Kendrick Perkins, blah, 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 those people versus the athletes. Why is it such a disconnect? I'm going to say something that might be seen as a hot take. Okay. I'm trying to put it into the right words without sounding crazy. I am my brother's keeper. So if I do good, my brother's going to celebrate me. And my brother's going to uplift me, as Stephen A. has for these athletes for years. For the Russells, for the KDs, for the LeBrons, right? But in being my brother's keeper, I have to hold them double accountable so that no one else could. Mm. I'm saying that. I'm saying that because I could say it. Right. Because I don't want you to say it because that's my brother. And people don't get that. I think it's out of love and not out of hate. I don't think that it's, to be honest with you, I would rather hear it from a Stephen A. Look at, people are up in arms because Mad Dogs told Draymond to shut up and play. So how would the criticism of a, a a Kyrie come from a mad dog. How would that have been interpreted? Mm. So people are saying uh, they, they're up in arms and they're being really sensitive when they need to look at the bigger picture. All black athletes went through this. You don't think that Kobe got held to the fire when the damn Lakers lost to the Celtics? You don't think he got his ankles held to the fire? You don't think Michael Jordan got held to the fire for leaving basketball for baseball, knowing damn well it was because of his gambling problems? And people were blaming, people were about to get on his case. They thought he was point shaving. Okay? So that's the that's the real thing. You get what I'm saying? That's the real issues. Now, whereas I feel like, you know, when you have the black teacher, your first black male teacher, he was harder on you. Mr. O, yep. Was he hard? Why was he hard on you? Because he wanted the best out of you. Yes. You get what I'm saying? So you want because life is hard for harder for you because you're black. You want everybody to just make it easier. Like I'd rather my people hold me accountable than anybody else. And that's just being honest. And yes, it comes across a little bit harsher because we're more personally invested into your development. So yes, we are going to be a little bit more stricter. Yes, we know what we know how society views you already. 
You get what I'm saying? So I'm not I'm not talking to you like or saying these comments about you because I view you how society views you. I'm saying those comments as a member of the media because I love you in a way that the, the mainstream media wouldn't love you. You know what I'm saying? It's coming from love. And let's be real too. Stephen A. Smith gives the heat to everyone. He went ham on, on Aaron Rodgers. He's gone ham on Tom Brady. He's gone ham on Bill Belichick. He's gone ham on those people. But to be honest with you, I would care more. You see, I pay more attention to the Antonio Browns. Why? Because he looks like my brother. Right. And I'm going to hold him to when there was nothing that no one could do wrong. Like LeBron can do no wrong to Stephen A. once upon a time when it was warranted. You know yep. what I'm saying? So you got to be held to that same standards. And I feel like athletes sometimes they, they drink too much of their own Kool-Aid. They don't, they don't want to take accountability. I feel like Kyrie could have taken accountability for how he played. Ben Simmons, if he was, even though he doesn't have to explain his mental health status to anyone, nope. and his mental health status should not be weaponized against him, and because he has struggled with mental health, the the narrative of calling him weak is so degrading. People don't realize that. That's very degrading, and it's happening from his own peers, basically. And I don't like the fact that I can, I don't understand. I'm not saying I agree with it. I understand where it's coming from, from the older players, because when they were playing, the mental health thing wasn't even a thing. If you get on the court, hella high water. That I'm not saying that was yeah. a good, I'm not saying that's good or bad. My thing is the current players who understand what's going on with mental health. A lot of players coming out with Telling them they have anxiety and depression. You're jumping down this man's throat after he's telling you he's having mental issues is too much. But you know what's ridiculous? They said, oh, they get on the court by hook or by crook, but they was sleeping with prostitutes, freaking cheating on their wives and, and doing <laughs> drinking alcohol under the table. So how are you? Dealing? I mean, is that a healthy representation <laughs> of how you deal with mental health? Like, it make, make it make sense. Make right. it make sense because it don't make sense to me. It don't add up to me. You get what I'm saying? Like this whole generational curse of, you know, well, you know, he's weak. Yeah, but you cheated on your wife. You had a baby on your wife. So what makes you better? Oh, he's weak. He's a weak source. Oh, but, you know, you gambled half your life away because that was how you addressed your mental health. Like, come on. Like, let's be let, let's be real here. And if to be honest with you, if I was uh, Ben Simmons, I wouldn't explain a damn thing to a damn person as long as my team know and my peoples know that it is what it is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Does it make it? You know what? All right, if he is injured and his mental health is is, is fucked, what could he do on that court besides become a distraction? He did the right. To be honest with you, he did the right thing. People were operating under the guise that they didn't know what was going on with him. You know what I'm saying? So they just automatically assumed that he was in perfect health and then could do it. And if it was his mental health, you should have a little bit more compassion. That's what this world is lacking is empathy. We are all going through shit. We just came out of a freaking pandemic that changed our lives forever. And in our generation, especially if if you're an 80s baby, early 90s, 80s baby, before you hit 40, 
you were hit with a the biggest terrorist attack on U.S. soil, right? You were hit with not one but two huge res- recessions, an entire shift in social media, kind of dominating how we perceive media. We're about to go into like a virtual Meadowland reality. You know what I'm saying? Which is completely different than any other era during any other time. You get what I'm saying? And now people are starting to address their, their struggles with mental health. Like, you don't understand. People don't want to understand how hard it is to be a millennial, early Gen Z, in this life. And that and it's, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. It's completely fucked up. But um, going back to your point about um, black media and then black athletes, you were spot on. I'd rather hear it from someone of, of my own, my own kind than anybody else. And the reason being is the person of my, my, my complexion, the person, my own people know my struggle to get to where I'm at. Right. So a constant reminder to keep being, to keep up, what I need to keep up to stay where I'm at because everybody else outside of black media is going to keep chopping you down. It's going to chop you down until there's nothing left because people know at the end of the day, outside of our, our, our bubble media, nobody, nobody wants us to make it. Right. But even when you look at it, look at it, look at it like, you know, the Kevin Samuels thing, yeah. right? Kevin Samuels made money off of degrading black women using the same societal stuff that people have perpetuated about black women for years, for decades. We are the face of all of society's ills. Right. And he perpetuated that narrative to other black people. And then people are like, well, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Everybody's entitled to this. And, and this whole thing of low value and high value, and, and this, this, it's more hurtful because you are using what society already hates about us to your advantage to get your ignorance across. And I do not feel that Stephen A. Smith is doing that. And I can say that honestly because I am not a fan of Stephen A. Smith, and I have said this on the podcast several times. You've said this from the beginning, from episode one, all the way up to episode 103. I have never been a fan of him. I have never yeah. been a fan of, his, of, of how he's spoken about athletes and stuff, because I feel like there is a certain respect that you should pay to athletes because you don't play the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when I when I say this about like this, oh well, you know, he needs to cross over. How the hell do I? I haven't crossed over a basketball in about 15 years. So who the hell am I to say somebody has no skill or somebody has like you know? Come on, everybody want to be a couch coach. You know what I'm saying? So it's like at the end of the day, I feel like my bringing my point full circle. It is more personal when it comes to from another person of color because we are more invested in the benefit of doing better, being better, being better for us. I am my brother. I am my sister's keeper. Number two, I feel like athletes, they feel like they they feel they put this 
all this pressure on themselves and they lash out only at black media too. Only at black media. It's only at black media. I remember t- talking to somebody about the show. They were like, oh, I, I was giving a little elevator pitch to them about the show. And they were like, oh, um, y'all be talking bad about black people in your show, huh? Huh? What? No. 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 We, don't. we, we give the truth of whatever was going on about the topics, the truth from, from, from the evidence that we have. We're not, we're not downgrading or, or degrading any black athlete. We don't degrade, downgrade or degrade any athlete, but mm-hmm. we're definitely not going to downgrade it and degrade our black athletes. That's a complete mm-hmm. utter dub. But it's like they don't it's like people don't get it. It's like you're not above accountability no matter who you are. Kyrie, you were a distraction to your team. Like, don't deny it. It was a distraction. Do do we feel like it could have been more things to work on? And yes, when you were on the court, you did play the best you could. You know what I'm saying? But like it was a distraction. Yes. Ben Simmons, could you have addressed your physical ailments a little bit better to the public to kind of skew public opinion? Yes, you could have. Yes. But you didn't. So take accountability. You know what I'm saying? Every time they they feel like, you know, we want to tear them down. I want to see you do better. I want to see you do better. For you, for us. You are a reflect. When you step on the court, you're not only a reflection of you. You're a reflection of all of us. Those little kids who try to play basketball out there, trying to be like you, every day. And we have to be more militant with each other. I couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better. But shouts to again. Um, Drop Chase Network, all the shows over there. Shout-outs to um, just everybody who supports episode 103. I think, Tay, this, you're coming up on your 100th episode yourself, too. <laughs> your actual 100th episode. So, shout-outs shout out to you. Um, but, great episode. Again, you're getting double dose of your this week. Um, <laughs> this may be a thing you never know. <laughs> they have one to two episodes throughout the week. Never mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but your good sis is tired. Like your me good too. sis. Your good sis works almost like ninety hours a week. You need to sit down. Yes. <laughs> I'm about to put you on another month break. Yeah. <laughs> but. For the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado, who is, of course, say it again, say it, say it. Not here. <laughs> for BK Matt, who is also not here. He's not here. <laughs> and for the queen, who is actually here. <laughs> it is your boy, Big Baby, who's also here, signing off. Peace. <laughs>